It's a lot of fun. Keep it fun. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the UK Packers podcast. As usual, I'm your host, at Steve NFL on Twitter. And, of course, follow the group at UK Packers. And, as usual, I'm going to talk some um, Packers football. Uh, why did I do that? No one knows. It's very late here, and I'm hey, so tired. So... <laughs> Ah, uh, so silly. Um, yeah, so look, I've got a bit of housekeeping at the start of the podcast. It's not really housekeeping uh, for any of the UK fans that are listening or any American fans that want to come over for a meetup. Uh, I've got some news for you. This is the most ambitious time ever for meetups that uh, I've ever done here at UK Packers. And I've got loads of meetups for you. And the thing is, the thing is, look, I'm not going to please everybody, right? I'll read out the, the dates. I'll explain what's going on behind the scenes. And the pain in the pants, uh, pain in the pants that some of this stuff has been. Um, and the rationale of why I picked the, the towns. And if anyone wants to have an L moan, uh, you can have an L moan if you want to have an L moan. But I can only do my best. All right. One man army. These are the meetups. So, look, we do meetups every year. Uh, sometimes we roll out uh, more than others. And then we do our own Super Bowl party or we, we chip in with the gridiron guys. The Super Bowl party, I'll, I guess I'll mention that off the, off the top of the dome. Uh, that's not... Um, I don't know what's wrong with me today. I really don't. Uh, I don't know why you listen to the podcast, but you, you're, you're here and I thank you. So the Super Bowl podcast, um, I haven't nailed that down yet, whether we're going to go on our own or, or what. Let's just see how tragic some of these meetups are going to be. So look, we've never been to Wales. We've never been to Scotland. We've been to Dublin once and when we came to Dublin Aaron Rodgers was injured and we got whitewashed by the Ravens uh, stonewalled you know zip zero dropped a big donut or whatever you want to call it awful game so we're hoping that's not going to be the case this time around although I will get on to realistic expectations later in the podcast but I digress so um, with these meetups I have first off I'm going to every one of them and as you can hear from my accent and by the way I talk to people and by what I mention all the time, you can tell that I'm Irish. So I'm in Ireland and I'm going to all these meetups. Only one of them is in Dublin, Ireland. And let me stay on that then. And yes, it's, scat- it's scatty and all the rest. And I won't say scatological because I did, but that means poo. And I apologize for that too. So um, I was going to look at Dublin, Cork, Galway and Belfast, right? The four places. But from looking at the membership initiative and seeing where everybody's based... Uh, the overwhelming amount of people are based in Dublin. Doesn't really make sense to ship everybody down to Cork or Galway or Belfast. I could and it'd be great and it's where I want to go. And for anybody listening and thinking, oh, yeah, you know, a typical dub wants to go to Dublin. I'm not from Dublin. I don't even live there. I live down in Wicklow. I live actually really close to the Wexford border. Um, so it takes me, whatever, an hour and a half to get to Dublin minimum, right? Uh, if I use trains and planes and automobiles and all the rest, or if I'm going to work into town, um, it can take up to two and a half hours. So it's not easy for me to go to Dublin either, but it makes sense from a transport perspective. And that's where we had the meetup before. That's where we have connections and all the rest. So it made more sense to go to Dublin. That's week 14. But let me run down through the weeks and the meetups and what's been said and what hasn't been said and the challenges that I'm facing, right? So what I might do is, is anybody who is already bored uh, thinking about meetups and all the rest, I will drop the metrics as to what times I discuss things on the podcast and you can skip right ahead. But if you want a bit of a cheeky insight um, into how things work with meetups, uh, by all means, listen. So that doesn't make sense. Week two uh, versus Minnesota, uh, that's going to be in Manchester. So that's set. So it's September 15th at five o'clock. 
It's in the Brotherhood of Pursuits and Pastimes. And I will be there to chaperone everybody. Mark is off the list. So look, like I explained, it's a fiver in only because we have to give the venue numbers because they have to sit us in a certain area, right? Uh, and also it's dependent on what type of food they put on and how they treat us like royalty uh, is all down to how many numbers we can get past the door so if you're listening and you, you think to yourself oh yeah i'm gonna go to that one and book the tickets uh, but do it friends and family because the earlier you book the earlier i have the numbers to go to the venue as i said the fiver goes entirely to the venue that's why you have to make sure you pay friends and family because if you don't they take a charge off it and then we're effectively paying you <laughs> to come to our meetups um, so look, it's a fiver and you get a pint of beer or cider as a welcome drink or wine or a spirit mixer um, and also finger food. And they'll put on a, a nice spread if there's a good few of us, right? So the tickets are selling pretty well because I, I rolled that out and released it and emailed the Manchester lands and ladies and it's going well. But I need more. You need to if you're going to book, don't assume that it's it's a given and then rock up on the night. You need a ticket to get in because we need to have the venue properly set up, right? That's that's number one. Um, so next meetup week three we hit Wales for the first time Cardiff now so let me right let me just roll on right week seven Lambeau Field long way to go uh, you're not going to get that by car that's not very central to people um, so that's sold really well there are still spots available for that albeit sort of last minute we're two and a half months out now and that's going to be incredible and you can go to our website ukpackers.co.uk and there's the sort of a little spool of stuff that roles on the homepage. one of them is a documentary called um pilgrimage to packerland and that's about one of our trips before it's a fantastic heartwarming story about karen and Derek wood when they come over with us and he surprises her with a trip and he gets her time off from her job and they go over and do i cry every time yes um do i know how it ends yes but do i cry still yes so you can see that it's with touchdown trips and you get a special offer you get money off if you come on the group trip because you know economies of scale and all that type of stuff so that's week seven week two manchester week three cardiff wales week seven lambeau field week 10 glasgow in scotland we've never been to scotland before uh that's to see us take on the panthers the panthers by so uh yeah november 10th in glasgow so again looking at glasgow and edinburgh we've the most f- uh members in glasgow it made more sense to go there next year i would love to go to edinburgh so we might do that depending on you know how many of us end up in the news on scotland on november 11th so week 12 green bay versus san francisco that's going to be in birmingham uh november 24th uh, at 21 hours um so the harry downing i believe on facebook sent us a great location for that so we're going to be scoping out some locations that's week 12 week 13 is london that's the hippodrome that's going to be informal um, out of all the meetups i don't know if i'm going to be at that one uh that's sort of uh just tell people that it's on london is where our biggest amount of followers are just as a bit of an insight um so you know it, it always is attended very well and the hippodrome always have all games showing on all screens so look that'll be a bit of a shindig i might go over first depending on um how many times i win the lotto um but apart from that that's just going to be informal just to rock up so that's not an event that we kind of stand over and put on platters and sell tickets and all the rest week 14 dublin ireland again i will be at this one uh, it'd be a damn shame if i wasn't going to be able to make this one december 8th this is against uh, the team in washington um so again that's probably going to be in the woolshed bar and grill don't mark me on that don't book hotels now if you go to the website ukparkers.co.uk forward slash 2019 meetups um you'll see all of the stuff uh, a lot of it's down as 
TBC uh, to be confirmed or to be determined or whatever, right? So I'm working on all of these actively. Um, but I'll tell you about the pants ache that I'm getting now of trying to work them all out. So the one that is set and the ones that people are booking hotels for that I've booked flights for and all the rest is Manchester. That's set. Um, now, Cardiff. So let, let's go back to the start. So, And I won't spend too much time on it, but I just want to let you know that there's an awful lot of work being uh, put in behind the scenes, right? Cardiff, the, the problem with venues that I'm facing is is it's very slow. So I'll go out to a venue, I'll scope it out, I'll look at the reviews, I'll canvas people. Then I'll go to the venue, I'll talk to them about availability. Uh, like I said in the last podcast, I'll say 25 to 100 people. Uh, some of them want me to lock down numbers, some of them want a guarantee. Um, and then it gets on to, you know, the actual facilities to watch the game. And the problem that I'm facing is, is that an awful lot of places don't have the license to stream if it's not on Sky Sports. So they can play it if it's on TV, but they cannot stream it for licensing reasons. Some places have it all worked out. Some places are scared and they don't have it. So what I'll find is I'll get through. So I will, you know, reach out, I'll call, I'll email, I'll give details, I'll furnish this, that and the other. Um, and then they have to go away and speak to their manager and then they come back and say yes we can accommodate that amount of people and then they talk about well we you know they kind of make you wait for a week or so in some instances and then they come back and say well we don't know if we can stream or not which is the crux of everything so that's the problem i'm facing i look to have a venue locked down they agree that those numbers are fine because it it could be rather big um you know i said that manchester was one of our most which was our most popular ever um, I don't think it was last year I think it was the year before but 150 people went to that one which was just colossal and if we get those type of numbers some places will just say no we can't take them now in that instance it might be a case of that we ticket it and we just have a cut off point at 70 people or something um, which wouldn't be a bad complaint to have and that'd be a great shindig but the problems that I'm facing is is that I get so far with a venue and then they should then they say yeah we should be able to do that fine and then they shut it down like actually no we can't um, so that's the problem that I'm facing with Cardiff at the minute. There's two venues on the go um, and both of them got so far and then both of them started to express, um, you know, sort of like we don't know if we can do the stream thing. So then it leaves me scrambling to find another place. Um, it's the same in Glasgow, got so far and then that kind of kicked up. Birmingham, I don't think it's going to be a problem. London won't because it's informal. Dublin it's not going to be a problem either because I don't think so anyway because the... Um, you know the the wool shed bang grill are usually fairly nifty and fairly handy and we've i've dealt with them before so it's fine so look it takes an awful lot of work and like for instance if i really briefly talk about so glasgow that's our biggest fan base in scotland that's why i went there cardiff has our one of our biggest followings as well and it's slap bang kind of in the middle of swansea which has a big following and bristol which has a big following both of them are an error less than an arrow drive away in uh, by car so they're easy to get to for all of those so by going in between um i i felt that i could satisfy the most amount of people you know you might have dissatisfied people and i do try accommodate and that's why i said if you come to me and and tell me about your town i'll try accommodate you or whatever that's just the nature of the beast i'm doing my best all right it's a bit of a pants ache and i know you know you're sitting in cambridgeshire or you know norfolk or somewhere um which is fun to say late at night and you know, you're, you sort of think like, oh, well, why don't you come to my town? But from looking at the metrics and looking at where members are, I can sort of pinpoint, you know, I can tell you, right, there's two members where you are. If I organize a meetup there, people might not travel. And then it's just me, you and your mom <laughs> sitting in the venue. Um, don't get me wrong. She's probably a lovely lady. So, yeah, I'm trying to hit the. But again, like that's eight meetups, you know, including the Super Bowl. And as well as that, like Manchester is about an hour away from Liverpool. Manchester is, as I said, our, outside of London is our biggest place. Um, so the Liverpool lads, I figured, sort of really showed up at our last Manchester one. So 
Um, I would like to organise an informal one in Liverpool. But what I would like to do is, is when the TV schedule is released, because that's what I'm hogtied by as well, because I can't organise a meetup for Cardiff, um, you know, and do it a week out. I hope you can understand the logistical uh, difficulties. That's the phrase of the podcast. So look, I'm doing my best. Manchester week two is available to be booked now. So uh, do come along to that and the rest of them are a work in progress and once i nail them down which i should do uh, hopefully uh, get over the line well then i'll release those details and you can get booking those as well but i will say for me if you know you're going do book nice and early it's only a fiver um and we can get those places locked in and try get sort of you know more wiggle room with the venue to give us better food or better seating or you know whatever and as well as that on the night i'm hoping to do some raffles so we had a raz or august raz it's sold out in a couple of hours uh Devontae adams jersey uh kenny clark signed eight by ten for a prize two um and a hundred season patch as well and it just uh, the stuff was was flying in for slots for that so we've a couple of options open and um, we do have Devontae adams more Devontae adams jerseys so we can raz another one or we can put them in the store if you'd rather buy them outright again let me know um, because again if you think it and don't say it uh, well then I've no idea um, how you feel about it so if you want to get your hands on a Devante you can DM uh, DM us either it's fine or if you prefer to go the Raz route and spend you know four quid a slot and, and take your chances on it um, well then we, we'll play that fun game um, as well but anyway uh, that's, so that's the meetups and that's the Raz um, and I guess we should get on to Packers training camp and news and all the rest and I have kind of an uh an overarching narrative I guess to all of this type of stuff um when it comes to training camp but I you know let, let's just talk about some of the obvious things really so Jordy Nelson um retiring so he had some really interesting comments to say uh the dude as we all know a legend around Green Bay but you know what he kind of he speaks to Jordy Nelson is my spirit animal <laughs> if I will um like we all love the guy and he did get criticized uh, by autograph hunters at the time because um you know they were mad to get his autograph and he used to stick his head down and just walk on you know he's of the old school really he came in and he said he came in under you know donald driver and greg jennings now jennings more of a mouth i guess but um donald driver he said he used to come to work keep the head down and crack on and that's kind of the way Jordy Nelson was and he didn't give many um interviews and all that kind of stuff and he was very unassuming when he spoke very humble there was no bs with him he, when he went up to do his speech when they retired him as a packer as well um in typical fashion Mark Murphy spoke more than Jordy Nelson and Jordy Nelson literally said I've got no speech so what do you want to ask me and just sort of they they fired questions at him but you know this a guy there was no bs about him he wasn't flashy and I, I know like the the nickname for me here was sort of primetime um, and all that kind of sort of piss-taking stuff. But um, just in the sense of the way that there was none of this sort of showboat and load of balls, you know, like some of the players are the equivalent of someone, you know, taking pictures of their feet on holidays and saying 34 degrees. And look, I've done it. I've all been there. But as I get older and stuff like that, I guess I'm becoming more sort of reclusive. Uh, let's go off to a log cabin, not have social media accounts and, oh, and back in my day with the Nokia 3310 and all the rest. So he kind of speaks to me in that that regard. Um, but some nice insights, I guess, was when he talked about Devontae Adams and they, they asked him, you know, you handed off the torch. What do you think his skill set brings? All some of these balls questions. And he sort of said that he didn't think Devontae liked him because he used to sit beside him and sort of keep him honest in meetings. You know, he was the young guy. And of course, we all know Devontae Adams, you know, famous for uh, drops and all the rest. So much so that he got absolutely dogged. People didn't really see a future for him uh, in some areas of the fan base. And there was that sort of meme of, 
wasn't it a dog or something they throw a ball to a dog or a, or a child or it's 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 something anyway and they can't catch it and they fall over i think it's a dog um and it's kind of this piss take video that went around and say like, oh here's the one the Adams trying to catch the ball uh, because it was a silly video and uh, look at the player he's become and the man he's become and the leader he's become and he said Devante turns around to him now and says geez I know what you mean now about the young lads uh, so that was good um, so yeah he came to work did his job went to the Raiders then retired that was it <laughs> it's kind of just like bam 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 off see ya so like you know he's balling in his career and now he's bailing uh, with his with his farming off to the farm and to do it and the, the chap's a multi-millionaire you know just raises kids got married in his senior year um, and the legacy that he's left behind in Green Bay, you know, third in team history for receptions, fifth in receiving yards, second touchdown catches with 69. Um, 100-yard games, he's third. Um, he's the only team in history with 13-plus touchdown receptions uh, in 2011, 14, and 16. And that's from the mouth of um, Mark Murphy and I believe, well, I think probably Rob Domofsky, I'd say, um, online as well. So, yeah, just an absolute cool dude. And off he goes. And, you know, of course, there was the usual sort of tropes about him talking to Matt on the floor on the field. People, oh, he's trying to convince him to come out of retirement and all, all that type of stuff. Um, but I guess uh, the real talking point that I want to talk about, and again, it's some of the stuff around this is complete nonsense. Now, I know I put some of this to, um, to bed when it came to, like, the stuff about Mike Daniels and then it came to Darnell Savage. But it's another one that's just a complete load of balls. Um, it was the training camp incident. So the Texans have come to town and there's all this stuff about JJ Watt coming home um, and that's heartwarming and all the rest, but it's kind of just your usual sort of um, off-season lark. Um, but it's the Jay Sternberger hit. So it's safety, and I've seen him listed as a cornerback as well. Uh, Lonnie Johnson Jr. hit Jay Sternberger so hard, his helmet flew off. Um, and then he flexes after and then it was a bit of argy-bargy, right? Um, so... I don't know, I guess I should bring the Grind My Gears section back, which was for a total of one episode. And again, for anyone wondering where the video has gone, it's just been one of those weeks as well. I just thought I'd bring the audio, maybe bring the video back. Um, but like this, so this guy, right, Lonnie Johnson Jr., he's a rookie and it's a non-tackle practice. So I see from the Texas side of things and all their sort of, you know, trolling fans, um, and of course not all Texas fans are trolling but certainly the ones that have seen the comments about they're like oh yeah well the last time I checked this is football you know but it was specifically a non-tackling practice both teams were told don't do that type of stuff right but what I love is is that and from some of the comments that are after coming out after and I think it was Billy Turner let me have a read yeah no place for that we addressed it it was unfortunate uh, and then they asked him about what did LaFleur tell him and his quote was he was clear with us and we were clear with him. If they started taking shots on our players, then we're not just going to stand there. We're not punks by any means. And that's what happened. So we were men of our word, just like he was a man of his word. So from what I gather is, because that's what I like about LaFleur. He's been increasingly pissed off. And I want to talk about that. Um, but he's kind of telling the lads, like, look, if that happens, just, you know, go in at these lads and, and don't let them push around. You're like, no sort of... um. Uh, no dancing around the, the the topic here. So Jay Sternberger, uh, himself a rookie, um, you know, got a cheap shot and got his helmet knocked off. Now he is in concussion protocol. So he came back on Monday and then got symptoms late Monday, I think, and has been put into it now on Tuesday, right? Anybody saying that this is football and this is what they do and they need to man up, the dude wasn't expecting it. You don't tackle. That's part of it. This is why they're not doing the receiver 
um, DB drills is for this exact reason because it gets chippy and it did get um, you know fairly chippy out there and with this scrap and then the tension rose and it was getting a bit you know but I did say this this is what I said on the last podcast was going to be handbags right so here's the handbags here they're coming out but this is more than handbags you know uh, lads sort of slapping around and trying to punch each other with the helmets on and all that fine stuff and speaking of Texans wasn't it uh, Cushing who came out and headbutted a guy before when he had his helmet off and the other guy had his helmet on I mean go figure um you know, so th- so this type of stuff will happen, and this is a reason not to have intra squad um, practices, um, because it usually gets out of hand. Now, if you're Martellus Bennett, you kick the crap out of your own players, but if it's to do with something like this intra squad, like the tension's gonna be a bit higher. Now, yes, from a manly man situation, it's great. It toughens them up. It keeps them honest and all the rest. But still, the floor came out and said in the second practice, which was um, today, that you know. Th- they didn't come out and they didn't bring it as much the enthusiasm wasn't there so he's kind of saying the same type of stuff so this should keep you honest and it did and we sort of went up against something different and you don't feel as bad because i feel like if you go in a little bit hard um on your own players that can cause animosity as well because they're kind of like dude um you know and they're all fighting for a spot and they're all teammates they all share the same locker room and all the rest so it kind of gets a bit out of hand there sometimes too and there sometimes is some slaps that goes on but this guy is a complete tool, big time clown of the week. Not only that, but they have special teams drills. And uh, who is it again? Yeah, Lonnie Johnson Jr. And is after putting Trevor Davis out. So now he's out injured. And again, I know that there's people out there aren't big fans of Trevor Davis, which would be 99% of the Twitter fan base who really want to dog him. But again, like he showed up on family night, had a 100 yard game. And there's a lot wrong with that in the sense that you know, as LaFleur said, the refs are being super generous. There's no real tackling. It's kind of just, you know, bumping or whatever. Um, so, you know, you get away with an awful lot. So kind of who cares? But it, it's when it came under the lights because you look at a player like MVS, you know, the ordained number two, let's say. Um, so, you know, he had a bit of a mare on family night because when the lights come on and then he's back to his normal self then when he gets back to practice without the lights being on. So Trevor Davis showed up, as did Kumro. Um, and now he's injured because this tool decides that he's going to tackle in a non-tackle practice. But the real offensive thing is that he flexes after like a like a bit of a knob, right? So like the thing is he's flexing and he's talking about, oh, I'm just, this is football, just trying to make a name for myself and all this type of stuff. It is akin. Like the thing is, so he's trying to make a name for himself, but he gets sent to the showers because he's being a dope, right? This is the same as wearing Burberry to try look wealthy, but it just makes you look like, you know, ahead the ball, right? So, like, you're wearing it to look wealthy, but it makes you look not wealthy, so just don't do it. So it's kind of pointless, do you know what I mean? It's like those guys who goes out wearing a t-shirt because he thinks it makes them look buff and makes them look skinny, so don't do it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Maybe it works for other guys on Instagram, on the gram, but it's not working for you, so just don't do it. Um. So, yeah, like, you know, and then he comes out on Twitter, and then he, what I wouldn't mind, right, is he posts a picture of him flexing over Jay Sternberger in pain with the helmet off and you know it's like oh it's football and then he comes out then on Twitter and says not trying to hurt nobody just want to be great <laughs> it's kind of like all right well you can be great in many different ways just don't take someone out in a non-tackle practice by you guessed it tackling right now LaFleur came out and they asked him about it because we have to play the Texans now on Thursday so they were saying, you know, like the lads are pretty pissed off about it. I mean, are you concerned about game time? And he says, play physical between the whistles. I'm all for it. I fully expect this Johnson dude 
uh, to get his face ripped off in this game. And it's, do I want it to happen? No, I don't want it to happen. I do not want any players to get injured and I don't want there to be animosity, but that's now what's going to happen. Because this guy's out there flexing and all the rest and the guys look pretty pissed off. And the thing is, I like the way the floor came out and said like, look, I don't know what Bill O'Brien told his, his players. That's up to him. Um, but what I told my players was this. Maybe that's the way they operate, but that's not the way I do. So, like, he's been pretty no BS. Like I say, I was a fan of the guy and, you know, I, I trust in the Packers organization to pick the best people and all the rest. Um, uh, but when I heard him speak, you know, he's very measured and all that. But the gloves are really starting to come off now. Um, so I like the way that he's sort of saying like, you know, look, I, I suppose you make your bed, you lie in it. Now, I don't want to see the do be injured and I don't want to see sort of because if they do that, well, then, you know, they're going to retaliate and it's going to be just one of those really dirty games. You know, it's like the end of a football game, a soccer game um, where, you know, the stuff a team is losing, they get kind of bitter about it and then they just start drilling the players in the op opposition and then it starts to get a bit dangerous. We don't need any more injuries. We don't need any more of this crap. It's a preseason game. Um, so yeah that is one to watch and I will talk about sort of the preseason game sort of overarching more than anything else um, but that's one to watch to see just how dodgy this game gets now I fully expect that the number twos number threes number fours five six sevens are going to be out there they're not going to have the first team out there a whole lot but that being said I think that it will be necessary in this preseason to put the ones out there particularly on offense whatever about defense um, even though you will find that in a preseason game the defense gets the bigger run out because they simply need practice tackling. Will we limp to the regular season with less injuries? I would say you can bet your bottom dollar. No, that more players are going to get injured uh, and we have enough injuries as it is. Speaking of, Kevin King, injured again. Trevor Davis, injured. So here I was waxing lyrical about, let's give Davis a chance. He's got rave reviews. Uh, you know, Rob Domofsky came out again in some of his write-ups and said that, you know, with the way Kumaro's playing, with the way Davis is playing, that they're shoe-ins with MVS, you know, um, ESB makes the spot, and then he's sort of like, well, you know, what what does that mean for uh, a guy like Jamon Moore, especially because, you know, Shepard's doing well. Um, and the number one uh, way that I know Shepard has a pretty big uh, role to play is because uh, he was called Shep by LaFleur. And the minute you get a, a bro, sort of pally-pally bro nickname, like Shep, you're making a squad. Because the thing is, Geronimo Allison, I was kind of thinking, was on the bubble. Uh, he was in danger last year. And then Aaron Rodgers came out and called him Gmo. And then I knew, buy his jersey. You know what I mean? Buy the jersey. He's in. He's got the bro code. So he's been called Shep. Um, so, you know, he, he's a shoe in he, He's going to make the squad. But look, they have him um, on returns with with davis being out and apparently he's flashing some great stuff uh he's showing football intelligence he's reading up on stuff uh he's getting open so um he's doing really well and this is something that i want to mention in the last podcast and again uh I, if this makes the podcast congratulations everybody because usually i come across stuff like this and i go uh, too contrived and cut it out but um i love the way they ask Gudekunst, what does he look for in a wide receiver um, and I was going to do a skid on it last week, but it was just, again, I recorded the podcast and everything else that went on. It was too late. But they asked him, what does he want in a wide, wide receiver? And I, I was going to kind of hand out awards, like training camp or preseason awards. And Goody was going to get one for just stating the obvious. You know, I was going to do a skid around what it would be like to go drink it or something with Brian Goodacons. Because, you know, because they said to him. And I understand, like, the question is a bit of a silly one too, right? But they said, what does he want in a wide receiver? You know, like what after they've seen the way he brought in the young guys and didn't add to it, what, what is his prototypical receiver? Now, he could have said, because I'll go on to say what he did say, and people are like, well, yeah, what is he supposed to say? He could have said, you know, my type is is 
is I want a slim, tall receiver with a big wingspan. I'm not particularly looking for a smaller, diminutive wide receiver who could play the slot, which is why we have Gmo in there uh, playing that role, which we've sort of come away from. The likes of a Randall Cobb body type, uh, Cole Beasley. We've sort of gone for the taller wide receivers because they give her a, give us a better matchup. I go for speed ordinarily and raw so that we can sort of train them up because I feel like we've got blah, blah, blah. And he could have went on and said all that, right? But he says he looks for someone who creates separation, you know, who's got good hands, can catch the ball uh, and then can do something with it when he has it. Because I'm kind of thinking he's literally just described the sort of bare essentials that you need as a wide receiver, no? What do you expect in your running backs? Well, you know, that he's human. Uh, that he can hold the ball between his hands and you know to his body not drop the ball uh, that he can run real fast and make cuts and get him in you know it's kind of like what do you want in a postman oh that he has the mail and that he comes up to your door and he's able to find the letterbox you know it's kind of thinking like can you imagine going drinking with Brian Gutekunst imagine the bar is closing ding 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 oh, right well, that's what do you want uh, right Aaron what are you having scotch great back to Ari what are you having right you're having a beer well, of three beers cool maybe you want to make that six grand uh, deadly goody uh, what are you having? Uh, well, you know, I'll have uh, liquid. Uh, make it alcoholic. It could also be non-alcoholic. Uh, fits in a glass of a varying size. Uh, it can be fit for human consumption. Um, you know, which, in fairness, would rule out Budweiser, which is not fit for human consumption. Like, it just must be the worst dude to go drinking with because it's non-descript. And you're like, come on, goody. Come on, buddy. <laughs> Gotta be more more descript, man. Uh, but yeah, fun times. So, um... Yeah, the real issue here is the likes of Kevin King. So he's injured again, it's hamstring. So they're saying that, you know, we've kind of got away with one, uh, that it's a it's a hamstring injury, that he's not re-aggravating the injury that put him out last year, that they're not too concerned about it, that they'll know more in time. Now, whether that means, you know, and I've seen this proffered online that they need to get more tests or whatever, um, sort of remains to be seen. But again, it's another, uh, just a highlight about how Kevin King, because like, remember what the narrative was between Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur, um, and Mike Patton, um earlier this year sort of saying you know that they're they're not going to work him heavy that they need to be conscious of his injury history and all the rest and here he is again in family now he gets a run out and gets injured so I mean you can sort of rest him and be inventive on defense and all the rest but ultimately when it comes regular season he needs to play and if this is the case that he gets injured again and I know that people are saying oh well he looks different this pre-season particularly his arms he looks a bit bigger and he's bulked on and packed on more weight and all the rest um but i mean what what has he played in 15 of 32 games you know and they were sort of talking about tony brown who's taking his place and saying you know he's sort of seen like this sort of raw guy but i think there was a stat i think it was domofsky turned around and said that he played as much if not more games last season more playing time than kevin king so you know it is concerning and there's this whole sort of dream that may never materialize uh, that we'll see King and Alexander, you know, line up and they'll be our first two and it'll be uh, absolutely dynamite defensive backfield. But look, it, it doesn't look likely now. I mean, it's not really happening. And then, you know, King rehabs that. The problem here is, and this is the problem more so on, on offense than it is defense, is that you have this new install, uh, these things being added, and then you have players becoming injured and then they can still, you know, go through walkthroughs and all the rest, but they need playing time. They need to be hit, you know? So, I mean, you rehab an injury, you get them out there and then they re-aggravate it because they get hit once. And that's kind of what's happening. And Kevin King, it's been hugely disappointing. I'd say it's, it's you know, more frustrating for him and Mike Petten and the top brass there to have him injured again. But, I mean, is has the ship sailed now, really? 
Am I being too doomsday with it? You know, I like to stay positive on all the rest, but with Kevin King, I mean, it's it seems like every injury is like, oh, well, you know, is this, is this the sort of death knell of, of his time in Green Bay? Uh, can he come back from this? And, you know, you, then you see them re-aggravate an injury and you're like, oh, no, here, like that, that's just going to keep happening. Or then you there's that kind of like, oh, well, at least it's not the injury that he had before, but that's kind of a problem in itself because it'll get to a point like where, you know, like, what is he left to injure? His earlobe, you know? And you're kind of thinking, what do you do at this stage? Do you, do you give up on the Kevin King project and, um, you know, lose that sort of potential of what it could be? Who knows? And we've seen the likes of, you know, Mike Daniels go, uh, which is not too much of a shocker that's just broke today. Jason Spriggs gone. So that's that experiment over, you know, a player that is sort of seen as a, as a massive bust in Green Bay. Never worked out, seen as a bit of a turnstile. Ted Thompson traded up to get him to, you know, add insult to injury. Now he's gone. Um, you know, we've seen the Vince Beagles gone, which people might not remember. Uh, the mullet that used to roam Green Bay from time to time. Um, you know, there was the people were high on him and then he's gone. Uh, so, you know, it's it's not unheard of to, to kind of walk away from these situations. And again, I'm not sort of like, oh, well, his injury is no good to us now. See you. You know, but it's sort of, it is a business at the end of the day and sort of, yeah, it's hard to know what to do there. It's the same with Brian Balaga. We see him carrying an injury and having veteran days off. Um, at least we have more depth now on the O and people stepping in and you kind of think, you know, is is he in danger now too? But one thing I will say, I guess, let me jump into some positives before I go smacking people with the negatives. Uh, and let me give you the quote of camp, really. Uh, Danny Vitale, or Vitale, which I see some people call him, uh, the gym rat that is Mr. Muscle. Uh, so he's, playing dynamite now i don't know whether he's playing dynamite because uh, now again lafleur was very transparent and came out and said that the fullback has a massive role in his offense it's a dying position he understands that but lafleur sort of works on you know sort of check downs and he needs good blocking and all the rest to facilitate his run game and that feeds into the play action if you keep your sort of your the defense honest with the run and if you can shore up that and block that and create those schemes and then you have your bunch formations which are wide receivers and you have all of this stuff going on your fullback is extremely important and Danny Vitale I mean he's a he's a physical specimen as it is um you know he's on my list of 10 people and Joan can't get mad and uh uh, but in all honesty, I mean, the, the guy seems like a bit of a freak. And if you look at his combine numbers for a fullback, it's ridiculous. And the stuff that he's done in his past in college and high school and how much he's caught the ball. And he says that his speciality was kind of that seam route. Um, so he really is proven to be a really dynamic piece on this offense. Um, with his blocking ability, with being the running back um, that he can be, and also by being that receiving you know, he calls himself a halfback. I think he said he played tight end as well, so he's got good hands. But again, he, you know, the main thing for him, kind of like a Kumaro-style uh, performance, is the fact that he's consistent. You know, he's reeling stuff in on family night. He's doing it day in, day out in practice. Um, and he just seems to also... The rapport is there too, you know? Like, there's an awful lot of him on Aaron Rodgers' um, timeline and Aaron Rodgers kind of taking the piss out of him and stuff like that. And although that might seem kind of innocuous, it's important because it's building that chemistry and trust and you know like if the best compliment you can have and i don't know if this is the same with girls but certainly with lads if you're in a lad group and you get the piss taken out of you um it's seen as kind of like well i i mean now you know i fit in that's fine i'm i'm straight so like um you know aaron Rodgers came out and said about danny fatale in a non-disrespectful way he surprised all of us with his athleticism 
kind of look at him sometimes. You think meathead, weight room guy, but you realise he can run, he can catch, he can read coverages. He's been very impressive. And that's the thing about him. I mean, reading coverages, picking up blocks, uh, picking up blitzes, um, and then sort of rolling out and, and being that safety valve. I think he's going to be a big part. But that's not alien in Green Bay. John Kuhn was doing it back in the day and went on to then have a successful career with the Saints. I think one game scoring like two or three touchdowns, the beast. Aaron Ripkowski came in and he was very valuable as well. I mean, they used to, you know, use him on short down situations. And now you have Vitali in there as well. Um, and as well as that, one, one of the things that this O-line is doing really well is is getting that run game going. So that, that's a real positive there, especially with uh, some of the shifting up and down the line and some injuries, people dropping in and out. One of those being Corey Lindsley. So I guess that brings me to expectations. Now, I don't want to be a naysayer, but I, I think that it's quite obvious, especially it really drove it home in the in the press conference this time around. Number one, what I find is, is that Matt LaFleur is coming out and now more often than not, and I don't know whether it's frustration that stuff isn't moving as fast as he wants it to, but he's being, you know, progressively more pissed off. And it seems to be annoyed at the effort and the sort of the, the fact of how slow it is you know, in and out of the in and out of the huddle at the line of scrimmage, how sluggish it is, and sort of the lack of effort. Now, it's it's kind of a it could be deemed as kind of a who cares moment. But what I would be concerned about is is why is Lafleur coming out more often than not now in the media and having to say this stuff over and over? What isn't resonating with the players? Now, I would imagine what it is is that it's a new offense. They're still installing pretty much everything. So people are a little bit slower. It kind of mirrors what Mike Pettin was saying. When you have a quiet defense, that's a bad thing because it, it sort of shows that they don't really know what's going on. Uh, they don't know what the call is. They don't know what the coverage is. They don't know what their assignment is. So they don't feel they need to shout back and forward because they don't really understand the system yet. And that's changed in this second year, well, coming into the second year, and that they're an awful lot more vocal. They're an awful lot more chatty. Um, whereas when it comes to the offense, maybe there's just someone that kind of you know, and you know, paralysis by analysis that Matt LaFleur was talking about. And he wants that to be better. And as well as that, he's stressing decisiveness. So he's talking about his running backs and he's saying, I just want them to be decisive. He's talking about his quarterbacks and saying, I just want them to be decisive. Are they going to make a mistake? Yes. And that's an area that's really struggling as well. And that is another area of concern. So my overarching thing that I'm taking from what I'm seeing so far and from all the reports that I see from, you know, great reporters like Zach Cruz and Rob Domofsky, um, and of course the guys at, at Packers.com is the fact that you know Matt LaFleur is coming out and saying that it's sluggish but also you know that there's struggles there you know like this and it's it's early yet and there's an awful lot of injuries and th- our backup quarterback situation seems to be uh, in Haypenny's place and there seems to be I think there's reason for concern and not concern that oh my god we're behind where we should be I think we're probably in our round where we should be on on offense we're we're storming ahead on defense and i do believe the defense is going to have to carry this team in the early part of the season while the offense gets it, gets it figured out now what do i say that well just if you want to take injuries to begin with so let's take a look at the defensive side of the ball and why that really isn't a concern mike pet second year Zadarius smith looks the absolute real deal rashawn gary killed a guy <laughs> for the texans i mean khalil he drove him up the pitch um the field i mean the guy is an absolute animal uh the stories that we're hearing and the, the footage that's out there is just ridiculous uh you know he's he's slapping zach fulton around the guard who's a starter a potential starter uh we see him drive khalil uh up the pitch 
Um, and it just he seems to be just wrecking plays all over the place. That Ari Smith just seems to be collapsing pockets and blowing up uh, the opposite offense and really making life miserable. Uh, he you know should have been given a, a ton of sacks if you were allowed tackle. Uh, and I think Watson would have an awful lot to worry about. So I think on the defense we're doing well even without Kevin King and throwing Tony Brown in there. Um, I think that part is 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 going to do well. That pressure up front is seeing interceptions being uh, pulled down um, in the backfield as well. Uh, so I think that side's positive. But if you look at the offense, so like, look, Corey Lindsley is injured, you know, and he he had stiffness in his arm, and you think, right, no big deal. But then he's getting MRIs to see what it is, you know, and like that's that talks about the the quarterback center exchange. That's very important, and that's something that Lafleur raised too. You know, he's talking about that he wants that to be crisper, uh, you know, the the stuff to move along a bit better. So that's a concern. The fact that. Uh, our, our starting running backs are both starting running backs one and two are injured uh, with hamstring injuries Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams Dexter Williams is getting an awful lot of a, a run out and yes I know that scene is a positive and it is because otherwise you know had this hamstring injury issue happened during the season and you have Dexter Williams being s- s- slotted in with the ones and playing time you know like how is he supposed to react so it's better that he gets that time now but it's still concerning that when we're trying to install a brand new offense where you know, it's being criticised day in, day out for being a little bit sluggish and slow and the enthusiasm not being there, which I, I would imagine comes down to kind of that little bit of confusion and really not knowing what's going on. Then I think it's really concerning that we don't have our running backs in there to run through it. Um, So I guess that's concerning, and especially because most of this stuff is about play action and, you know, confusing defences and keeping them honest with the run and doing, you know, read option stuff. I mean, it's concerning that we don't have a running back in there to, to keep that on us, so it kind of makes us one-dimensional. Now, let's not freak out just yet. You know, and then with the wide receivers, uh, you know, Devontae Adams playing a stormer, Jay Coomer playing a stormer, Trevor Davis doing well, but then getting, you know, sidelined with this injury, MVS playing well, but not performing well under the lights on, on family night. Um, You know, ESB still sort of a little bit further behind. Jamon Moore, who some sources say is having a good enough camp and making a name for himself. Other sources say he's making um, a couple of drops and he's not doing enough. Um, So with the wide receivers, that's fine. But then it comes down to play calling. You know, I mean, it seems like, you know, for instance, in this last practice with the Texans, uh, when it was, you know, air ones versus their one defense, well, then, you know, we couldn't get a first down and that was concerning. You know, um, and then when it's, when it comes down to tight ends, we've we've Sternberger been carted off with a goddamn concussion, right? And then we have these big high expectations of Jimmy Graham and Robert Tanyan again. Um, but what was stressed in the press conference on Matt LaFleur this time around was is that when it comes to the no huddle, that hasn't even been installed yet. They haven't even worked on it. So, like, you're talking about... A, now, again, is it that concerning, really? Because that's something that Aaron Rodgers is so adept at is calling his own plays and getting stuff moving. Um, but at the same time, it's concerning that because LaFleur talks about having the right personnel in there. So, it, you know, if it comes to that situation, there's a bit of confusion, a bit of slowness, even on the sideline with him calling in plays or putting in personnel. Well, then it's, you know, there's kind of a bit of uneasiness and all that kind of stuff there. So this offense is going to be super raw. And that's why, you know, I think there's because there's if you if you kind of read between the lines and it's you don't have to read very far. They keep talking about how short these practices are. Now, I don't know whether that's a sort of, if they think they can get enough, it's sort of said that they can get enough work done with the short practice and then doing the walkthroughs. But there seems to be sort of this kind of 
passive aggressive reporting if you will like it was only an hour it was only an hour and 15 this is weird um now i don't know whether that's kind of a hangover of what mike mccarthy used to do or previous administrations uh, but certainly the sort of expectation is that the practices aren't long enough so there's going to be teething problems here with this offense for sure um and when it comes to game management like for instance we saw penalties you know pre-snap penalties uh, we've seen the wrong personnel in there, but that was apparently down to you know generous uh, decisions by the referees and all the rest. Um, but there's some really sort of basic errors here. And that's why when they asked the floor, I mean, what does he expect to see in the preseason? He says that what he wants to see is just good fundamental football. He's still trying to figure out, um, what did he say? Good, sound, fundamental football with simple plays. He's still trying to figure out who he has and what they can do. Because like I said, I mean, all of these positions are, by and large, up for grabs. But all he wants to see is that the fundamentals are sound. And that, that's going to be a learning curve for him as well. Because remember, as pissed off as he is, and as able he's able to come out and sort of say stuff like, uh, you know, like, oh, I want the energy in there, blah, blah, blah. Like, this is going to be his first year, you know, calling plays, really, and, and running the show. So there's going to be teething issues there with him, too. Um, another thing that's in flux as well which you don't really need is the return game so i mean the, there's the whole trevor davis thing and now with him being injured who do we put back there so again an awful lot of that's about good field position you'll remember that there was an awful lot of criticism about mike mccarthy and what plays he was calling but like when when davis was injured and we didn't really have a dedicated return guy certainly one who could you know get good purchase and put us in good field position because that's what it's all about and we kind of be backed up to the five or the ten or the twenty um, and we struggle to move the ball you know, you're backed up by your own end zone. Uh, you're trying to you're trying to make stuff happen. So you need some good purchase there. And again, that part of it's up in the air as well. And then it comes down, you're like, oh well, you know, so the defense will carry us. But then you turn around and look at special teams. And I know the last family night there was all these teething issues with uh, you know, the kicking unit, and it was kind of like, what's happening there? Crosby was missing kicks and you know, he was coming out saying, yeah, we just need to sort it out. And he, he looked visibly annoyed because they changed the punter, they changed the long snapper. Um, whereas this time around, you know, Crosby comes back off a calf injury. He's been kicking on his own for about a week. Apparently his kicking was fine. It was just when he was running and uh, that, that it was the issue. So then Sam Ficken, I mean, it was his first time kicking in Lambeau Field at family night and he had a bit of a mare. I think he missed three field goals. Now he nailed a 63 or 64 yarder at the end, which yes, is brilliant and it's a feel good thing. But I mean, if your field goal kicker is not making the ones from 30, 40 yards, you don't, you're not going to go and have 63 yards to go and go, well, throw him in there. <laughs> you know what I mean? You're going to be like, Jesus, no, keep him away from there. And it puts more pressure on the offense who might be struggling to try get that ball within field goal range that you're kind of comfortable that he's going to make that kick. Um. So again, you know, the real battle came about when, when Crosby is just after coming back and Crosby made four or five field goals, Sam Ficken made all from 33 39 45 48 and 51 but kicking in lambeau field versus the hudson center um is is different uh it's the the way the stands are set up the way the wind whips in mason crosby is an expert on game day especially when it gets cold you know we're not talking sort of you know topless weather here we're talking about well depending on what fans you are um you know who like to go to the game and get their shirts off and, and write letters on their chest but um and yes, I'm looking at you, fellas. Um, so, you know, and in fact, Mason, an awful lot of the criticism with him about missing kicks, if you listen to his post-game interviews, most of the reason why he misses the kick is because he's judging the wind. 
So he'll say, I kicked the ball and the wind was whipping from the west or whatever. Um, and it was coming from the left. And then, you know, they iced me. And then I went and kicked it again and went to overcompensate that and kicked off sort of to the left. But the wind died down as the ball was in the air. And then it went off wide left instead of wide right, you know. And so he sort of has a reason most of the time why that, that kick is missed that he's trying to overcompensate kind of like a sniper does in wind conditions you don't just aim at the bad guy's chest you know you aim up off to the far right and then the wind carries it down and all the rest and that's the whole skill to the whole thing um so i mean that's a concern there as well and that's the kind of uneasiness now uh i'm gonna say this and as i say it and then probably tomorrow as you're listening uh the opposite will happen but i predict that crosby's gonna make the team solely because i think they're gonna see that the offense is a little bit shaky and we'll really see what happens in these preseason games um, and then what they'll probably do is they'll probably say look let's keep uh, Crosby he knows how to deal with the wind conditions and maybe give Ficken uh, maybe probably two more uh, weeks run out and then they'll probably end up going with Crosby anyway and then he's probably in danger next season something like that that's how I envision it going now am I biased because um, you know I, I, I like Crosby and it's kind of like how people felt about Mike Daniels and Clay Matthews maybe but i just think it kind of makes sense and i don't think we're kind of you know we're, we're up against it with the salary cap uh to not be able to keep him around just for that kind of consistency now if he has a nightmare in training camp don't get me wrong i think he's on the hot seat but i still somehow think that he makes the roster and that we see ficken um go another interesting quote that i saw was peter king so he was saying that he was talking to lafleur he was talking to aaron Rodgers. And he says that the transition from McCarthy to LaFleur was really smooth. And he puts down that to the players buying in. Uh, I don't take it like that at all. I think that the more... I, I think the telltale sign behind all of this was actually an interview that I saw with MVS that he did with Bartos, Barstool Sports and Liz Gonzalez. Um, and I was very surprised to see him on it actually because he's so fresh. Um, and you'd expect his agent to sort of say to him, pal, you're not saying anything, especially to Barstool Sports, because they can be pretty risque. Um, so he came out and he said that the atmosphere was all over the place when he was a rookie. He didn't really know what to do because he comes in and there was disputes and tensions and coaches, uh, you know, at each other. And he said it was just an insane, toxic atmosphere to come into um, and that he didn't really know, but he had to try to do his best um, in the season. So that's more telling. So whatever about the transition from McCarthy to the floor being smooth, I think that it was in such disarray um, that, of course, it was going to be smooth because people are like, oh, Jesus, like, thank God that that era is over. Now, again, I do think the floor has people buying in. I think he has people excited. He has me excited. Um, so I think there's an awful lot of, of truth in what Peter King was saying. And look, he's speaking to people up there. But I, I will say is that the comments from MVS were um, were very revealing. Yeah, look, exciting times to come. I think the defense is going to carry the offense for sure. I think with the fact that the offense are still installing things um, is, is a big telltale sign. The fact that we've got none of our starting running backs, that we have Dexter Williams in there doing his thing. The fact that we've dropped Spriggs and brought in yet another running back, I think is a sort of a, a sign that we're really trying to stack up the running backs to see what we have there. Um, now, there's other parts that I haven't talked about on running back that are kind of exciting. Some pieces that Nathaniel Hackett uh some people that he's worked with before and how that's exciting um but let's just park it here so preseason game football in essence is back now what to look out for in this game 
First off, look for Johnson, uh, the cornerback slash safety uh, for the Texans and see if he gets his face ripped straight off in this game and if it gets a bit chippy. But hopefully it doesn't and hopefully that doesn't boil over. Um, but what we're looking for here is, is let's look for focus on penalties uh, because you don't want to see sort of silly stuff uh, jumping off sides, um, which we've seen happen. We've seen um, actually jimmy graham and robert tonyan commit those fouls uh have a look at the the wide receivers and see what we have there more so whatever about making gains getting separation and making plays just look to see for like ball control and good hands can these players actually catch it when it's a contested catch can they catch it if they do get that separation uh whatever about you know them being tackled or not making a play after the catch if you just want to see like can they you know is there many drops here do we see what happened on family night happen again uh, the kicking competition will be interesting. I wonder what type of run out do they give? Do they just slap Ficken out there for a while and see how he does? Um, and if he starts to falter a little bit, you see Crosby coming out and getting a run in, getting some game time. You know, that'll be interesting. I reckon that's probably the way that it's going to go. We sort of, Crosby's a known entity and Lambo is part of the furniture, for God's sake. So maybe they give Ficken a run out and just see. I, I don't think they'll probably, um, you know, alternate it too much. Uh, we want to see what we really have on defense and how we wrap up on the tackle. Um, and also, you know, you want to look out for injuries in that regard. We don't want to see anybody going in hard and then coming and getting carted off the field. Let's see what our pass rush is like. You know, Rashawn Gary is really showing up in training camp. Really excited about this guy. So let's see what we can do when we have him and Zadarius Smith um, on the outside and just what havoc that they can bring. You know, we have the stalwarts in the middle. Uh, Kenny Clark really causing some absolute mayhem. And again, let's see who do we put on returns and what type of persons can we get there. Do they experiment in that regard? And do we see someone sort of step up to the plate? Now, Aaron Rodgers is not likely to play, and this is where these games are kind of going to be meaningless to a certain degree because we're in hape in his place, as I said, um, at quarterback. We see lack of decisiveness, and we also see Deshaun Kaiser having just a bit of a nightmare. I mean, the, the guy, every day or every second day, we see him, you know, throwing an interception or throwing a pick six to make it worse. What he tends to be doing is, is that, you know, he's not being decisive enough. He's second guessing stuff. He doesn't you know the ball is kind of from some reports kind of stalling in the air almost um and this is a guy that we probably expected more from even physically look up the you know there's a picture where they take the piss out of uh wilkins where they send them out onto the field first and they kind of wave at him you know the quarterbacks do and if you look at kaiser standing beside rogers if you were to just judge it from an eyeball test that you know he's taller um you know he looks super athletic he's got good feet and that's what you're probably finding some of these games um is that if he's not throwing interceptions and he sort of he gets jarred a little bit and takes that two to heart you will see him start taking a run and just running off um but what we need there is we need a viable option a backup quarterback and a and I know, like, you know, in prior years, we would have said, like, oh, Jesus, who cares? We have Aaron Rodgers. But the, that does not really relevant anymore. I mean, the amount of season that we've seen, I mean, week one last season, for God's sake, uh, you know, where it all kind of went belly up again, where we're kind of like, Jesus Christ, not again. So we do need some sort of option. And the way it sits now is, is that we're going to have offensive struggles at, at the start anyway. Uh, wait till you see, we get off to a fast start now. But we're going to have struggles anyway. But then when you look at the likes of Deshaun Kaiser and him not being able to step up to the plate, it really shows that whatever about not having it installed now, we've no hope at all if we've got a backup quarterback in there uh, like Kaiser, who seems to be leading the defensive players around to exactly where he's going to go with his eyes. That's where they're reading him from as well. And a savvy defense will rip you apart in the NFL if you give any telltale signs as to where you're going with the ball, which seems to be happening. Um. So yeah, watch out for that. 
let's give a proper detailed breakout of what we actually see and maybe we'll be pleasantly surprised but I would imagine we're going to be pretty dominant on defense and um, hopefully not giving away too much yet we will give the sort of second third fourth stringers a run out so expect to be sort of beaten on really silly coverage there although we'll be going up against their backups as well on offense with Aaron Rodgers not being given a run out um, you know with Kaiser and Boyle there i fully expect there to be plenty of mistakes but the opportunities that the fellas do have let's see what they can come down with and let's see what these young running backs can do and are they um as decisive as lafleur wants them to be um but predictions gonna be pretty messy could be pretty tetchy as well so anyway interested in the meetups lads manchester's locked in week two uh jump on that fiver ticket get those in now the sooner you get them in if you do know that you're going the sooner we can go and we have sort of more of a um a good playing card with the venue to get you know better seating better food and perks and drinks promotions and all the rest um and outside of that just bear with me i am working on the meetups and i'll try to get something to you as uh, sooner rather than later um, and on top of that just keep an eye out on the razzles because they sell out pretty quick and the signed march that goes into the store um but look thanks for the for the ride lads i think we've we've nearly made it thursday it is uh till kind of football's back and we can sort of start uh really getting into the nuts and bolts of this thing and then you really enjoy this season for all of the crazy stuff that it's going to throw up it's not going to be a typical green bay Packers season i know the expectations are always high and people always predict us to go to the super bowl and all the rest and hopefully by mid-season you know injury dependent uh, that we really get things swinging along uh, nicely and that you know because i think that's important for lafleur too you know whatever about him installing stuff and saying to the lads to believe in him um, if it turns out that we start going on a on a losing streak of games um, it could be pretty grisly and what we have seen is that when coaches do join for the first year uh, it's never pretty uh, but that's to be expected so you know there it is so anyway i've been at cd the nfl on twitter make sure you give me a follow follow the group at uk packers follow the instagram account at uk packers and of course hit up the facebook and there's a private facebook there too and of course the website ukpackers.co.uk and subscribe on uh, spotify and itunes and if you like the podcast uh, do leave me a review it really helps out with the ratings and rankings um, and to get the stuff out there but uh, until after our first preseason game under the floor administration I'll talk to you then.